The limited partner shares in the potential outsized returns of a well-planned and executed investment, but as a passive investor with no day-to-day -day operating requirements, whose liability is limited to the extent of their share of ownership. The limited partner has the maximum leverage on their most precious asset, their time. Now they say you're the average of the people you surround yourself with. Are you looking to elevate your network, connect with individuals that bring your average up? The limited partner is more than just a podcast. It's a community to learn, to participate, to connect. There's no other community out there like this for limited partners. So subscribe to the podcast, but most importantly, join the community at thelimitedpartner.com. Welcome to the podcast with your host, Jake Wiley. All right. Welcome partners again. I'm your host, Jake Wiley. This week, I'm really excited. I'm joined by Tyler Chesser. So Tyler is the co-founder and managing partner of CF Capital and is also a fellow podcast host. So he hosts the Elevate podcast. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Jake, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm grateful to be here with you. I almost feel like it's a we're like fireside chatting right now. You've got the very calm demeanor. It's like, you know, we're having a maybe a glass of wine, talking business, talking philosophy, talking deals, talking network. So I'm excited to be with you. Thanks again for having me. Man, I'm excited to have you here. I think this is going to be a great conversation. But for those of you out there that don't know Tyler, I'm going to kick it over to him for a second. Tyler, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of background on you know where you started and how you ended up at CF and everything in between that you think is relevant. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure and, and a privilege to be able to share kind of my story. And, and I do think that story is important. Um, you know, a lot of times we make sense of our own journey by understanding others. So I hope that this can sort of serve that purpose for your listeners. But, you know, you mentioned I'm a, the managing partner and co-founder of CF Capital. We are a multifamily private equity investment firm located in Louisville, Kentucky. And we focus on multifamily real estate across the Midwest and the Southeast. We go in and we saw problems. We find, you know, operational inefficiencies, physical inefficiencies, and we have a best in class team where we go in and we solve those issues and we capture upside, we capture opportunities. And, you know, I, I've learned sort of the hard way in many regards uh, in real estate. And I'll talk a little bit about my journey getting into real estate and sort of my path that I've taken. Uh, but you did also mention that I'm the host of the Elevate podcast, which is all about mindset, mind expansion and personal development for high performing real estate investors. I've found that my success has lagged my personal development. Also, my mindset and my perspective, my attitude has really unlocked uh, more than I could have ever imagined in my life. And that's really what I'm super passionate about. I'm super passionate about real estate because it can allow us to generate and multiply not only our, our streams of income, but our time and our lifestyle. And, you know, I'm very passionate about travel. I'm very passionate about reading and learning and great relationships and amazing conversations like what we're having today, passionate about expansion. I'm passionate about growth. And I believe that if we're not growing, we're dying. And so I think that's one of the reasons we're having this discussion today is to really explore that. So let me talk a little bit about my journey kind of coming into the real estate business. And prior to that, I actually started my career in the corporate world. I never really thought that I would get into the real estate business. Frankly, I went to school for marketing. I was always fascinated by the psychological aspects of marketing and branding and really just business in general. But I've become more and more fascinated fascinated with just the psychological aspects of human life uh, really since then. And as I got started in my professional 
career. I started working for a Fortune 500 company as a digital marketer. Then I moved into market research. And at one point, I was then uh, working in the international marketing space uh, for the firm. We were opening locations across the world in South America, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, Asia. And so we had partners all over the world. And we were launching this brand to new cultures all across the world. And it was endlessly fascinating to be able to really see directly how one brand is perceived in one culture and how it's perceived in another culture. In America, our brand, and I'll refrain from mentioning the company just because it's really not important, but it was interesting that the brand in America was seen as, you know, affordable kind of working class type of perception. And then in the Middle East, it was seen as premier and premium. And uh, it was just very, very interesting to see how different cultures treated, you know, something that we would both look at and say, hey, this is the same thing. Um, But to me, that's very fascinating. That's a thought that we could expand upon further. But ultimately, long story short, I was in that business and I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder. And, you know, my parents were not entrepreneurs or real estate investors or investors really in general, other than sort of the the standard 401k, you know, approach that many Americans have been sort of exposed to, to fill that nest egg and retire when they're 65 and a half. And I didn't really know anything different, but I did when I started working in the corporate world, I actually bought a house myself uh, a few years in, a couple of years into being in that career. And, you know, I was excited about my path and I was excited about my work. Um, but what I started to bump up against was a little bit of the political aspect in the sort of the corporate America world that it was, hey, you know, it's, it's about the amount of years that you've put in to, you know, to this seat uh, before you're going to go to the next seat. And if you want to go to the corner office, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, a 25, 27 year sort of climb. If you're lucky, maybe that's 15 to 20, but it doesn't really matter about results or effectiveness. It kind of matters who do you know, who likes you, what time have you put in and what does that resume really look like rather than effectiveness. And again, you know, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here, but uh, in general, I kind of looked around and, and said, wow, you know, does it really need to take that long? And it's so interesting because I've always been a bit of a, a rebel in some ways and not kind of accepting the norm. And, you know, that was one example of early in my career where I started to, you know, buck against that trend. And I started to ask myself, well, what else is there? And the first thing I did was I got my resume ready and started to look at other organizations because I thought things might be different other organizations. And as I was exploring that, it was a bit of a painful process. Um, And by the way, I was actually pushed into this because while I was a successful young professional, I was still challenged financially. I was uh, actually... So I bought that house and I was having this little thing called repairs and maintenance. You know, nobody ever told me about repairs and maintenance before I bought a house. And as silly as it sounds, you know, I had some crazy things happen. I had a few pipes break. You know, I had one pipe break in the front yard, which I'm sure many of us have had that happen. I had another one under the garage. We had a jackhammer up the uh, the concrete there in the garage. We had a, um, you know, one of the, the main lines for the electric underground, a root grew into it. So we had to dig up, you know, half of the backyard to be able to figure out where this root was and, you know, cut that up and, you know, replace that line. And wow, I had a uh, beehive built in the side of the house where we had 30,000 bees. I mean, I'm, I can't make this stuff up. So the reason why I bring that stuff up is because it put me in a position to recognize that, well, wait a minute, if I'm challenged financially, then what do I need to do? I need to go earn more income. And this was, again, this was early in my career. And so this put me in position to ask for those raises, to ask for that next position, to really to continue to go after it. And, you know, I get those cost of living raises. And I think it's funny to even think back to now, you know, you think about cost of living raises, like in reality today, I mean, we're talking 10, 15%. I know we're talking about CPI being perhaps eight and a half percent, but, you know, I can't even imagine what the corporate America cost of living raises are 
are these days. I'd love to see that be eight and a half percent. My guess is not, and it's nowhere near that. But long story short, I started to look at other organizations. I ultimately realized that I was going to climb the wrong ladder again. And so long story short, I, again, I started to ask around, hey, what are my skills? What are my talents? You know, what would really light me up and what would give me the opportunity to create more income and to create more financial freedom in my life? And long story is that I ultimately landed in the real estate business. And as I mentioned, I bought a house a few years prior to that. And for me, that was my first look into the real estate business was working with my realtor to find the house and negotiate and ultimately close the deal. And so as I thought about it, I was like, well, wait a minute, I could do that. So let me go and get my real estate license. I got my real estate license. I started to sell homes on the side of my corporate gig. And over the course of about six months, I doubled my income, which was great. However, I did realize that residential real estate sales was not going to be a path that I wanted to take, but it was a good first entrant. It allowed me to understand sort of the transactional nature of real estate and work through some of those details and complexities and also get my foot in the door. And I ultimately pivoted to commercial real estate. And I started to sell commercial properties, whether it was retail office, multifamily uh, land, some light industrial, some mixed use. And I really got my hands dirty in commercial real estate over the next few years from there and dove in deep. And as I dove in, it was like, wow, this is a very uncomfortable process because I went from being an employee to being an entrepreneur and an investor. Ultimately, you know, the investing side came later, but it was very uncomfortable. And I was reading books. I hired a coach. My coach was coaching me not only on building my business and building my uh, my client base and building my effectiveness in terms of those transactions, my advisory services. And he was introducing me to a lot of ideas and thoughts that I had never heard of or, or realized. One of the books I read, you know, early on was Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that changed the way that I saw the world. It's changed, you know, the opportunities that resulted in my life as a result. And that was a big game changer for me. I also read this little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was eye-opening because I was selling these assets that Robert Kiyosaki is talking about in terms of how the wealthy look at money, how the wealthy look at liabilities and assets. And I was selling these assets directly. And it was right under my nose. I didn't even realize it. And of course, I was generating significantly more income than I had as a corporate employee. But what I didn't realize was that I was still trading time for money. But what I was doing is I was gaining experience. I was gaining a track record. I was gaining uh, a reputation. And ultimately, once I read that book, I'm like, I have to start investing in these deals. The first deal I ever bought was an eight unit apartment complex. I call it an apartment complex, but it was, you know, an eight unit multifamily property sitting on two parcels, you know, right on this on the same sort of captured location there. And, you know, it was it was a distressed property. I thought it was a value add uh, at the time. I mean, it was totally distressed. It uh, was in major disrepair. The operations were in disarray. While it on paper was 100% occupied, it was, you know, really about 50% occupied after I recognized that half of the tenants weren't really paying rent. And the rents were 35% below market. And so there was certainly a tremendous opportunity. But as I dove in as an investor, it was like, wow, this is this is challenging. This is not as easy as, hey, doing a deal and I'll see you at closing. And then, hey, good luck. You know, thanks for the business. I look forward to doing business with you again as a broker and as an agent. And so that was my first foray as an investor. And it was a transformational experience because it was feast or famine. It was you you eat what you kill. But it was also this experience where, you know what, I had to go through those emotions. I had to go through the ups and the downs of being an investor. And, and one of the things that you and I talked about before we started this podcast was that, you know, sometimes we feel like or we think that we can earn a greater return by doing things after 
proactively by buying a direct deal, whether it's an eight unit property, whether it's a duplex, whether it's a single family home, maybe it's a 20 unit property and go in and, and roll up our sleeves and do that hard work. And maybe that's true at times. And every deal is unique. Every deal is specific. But what I did realize was that as I continue to grow as an investor, there's these economies of scale by doing larger deals, especially in the multifamily business. And by the way, as an agent, as a broker, I became known as the apartment guy. So every multifamily deal in my market, sort of in that middle markets, private capital space, not institutional, but kind of up to that 100, 150, 200 unit deal and below, you know, 50 unit deals, 30 unit deals, you know, 10, 12, whatever. I was doing those deals and it was a great place to be in the market. And this was, you know, around 2015 or so. And as I continued to grow as an agent, as a broker, more and more deals started to come across my plate. And ultimately I decided, you know, there's an opportunity for me to enjoy the benefits of the economies of scale and multifamily. Not only I have the access to these deals, but I started to see it. The next deal I did was 36 units. It was infinitely better than the eight plex. Of course, I made better decisions. I put a better team on the field. I did better due diligence. I financed it more appropriately. But I started to see, well, you know, it makes more sense because when we raise rents on 36 units, that's more impactful to the NOI than it is on an eight unit. And the deal after that was 72 units. And the deal after that, I started to do some passive investing. And what I also realized was that when I was a limited partner in other larger deals, not only do those larger deals have the benefit of the economies of scale from the pricing of insurance and taxes and utilities, and also, of course, the leverage of, you know, making enhancements to your revenue or making enhancements to your expense ratios and so forth. You know, those things are much more impactful the larger you go. But also, you know, I could do things to generate other streams of income while my capital was being invested and attended to in other larger deals. And so I did that a few times. And, you know, ultimately, we founded CF Capital, where we invite other investors to participate alongside our team, what we would consider to be a best in class team to be able to go out there every single day and put an amazing team on the field to execute in the best interest of our investors. And we make an impact and an income. And ultimately, our philosophy in this business is elevating communities together. We can do right by our residents, we can do right by our staff, we can do right by the surrounding community and be impact investors and also enhance ROI as a result. This has really been my whole trajectory. And and I apologize, I'm kind of rambling here, but this has been my path. And there's been a lot that I've learned. But I can say that the the limited partner world is an amazing world because the abundance mindset is so apparent in this business. It's not a win or lose game. It's not a zero sum game. It's not I win, you lose. It's everyone can win together. And it's a beautiful thing. And you know, when we leverage each other's resources, we can go farther faster. And when you find people that you trust, you stick with them. And, you know, we have this long term philosophy and this long term approach in this business to say, hey, let's do right by each other long term. Let's do repeat business together. You know, let's invite other people in our tribe to join together to, you know, to learn more, to grow more, to be more and to give more, to make more of an impact as well. So that's really been the trajectory. And every day is a new experience. Every day is a new learning opportunity. That's really been my story. And I'm sticking to it. Well, Tyler, there's a ton there. And I mean, thank you for for that story. 
and I'm actually going to take you all the way back almost to where you started in terms of mindset, right? Because I think that mindset is so important here. And, you know, there's a lot of people that come to me that are like, hey, look, you've been doing real estate forever. Like, it seems like you're a genius now, especially with the market just completely going bananas and like nobody knows what's happening. But, you know, one of the things that I learned early and it's, you know, you hinted on this as well, is that, you know, I can be a high earning professional. And then if I get into real estate, especially these onesie twosies, residential type deals, I'm actually turning into kind of like trade labor, right? Where you're out in the field and you're doing this work and people are calling you and like your property management, like property managers call it. It's like, Hey, we got a problem. It's the weekend. What do you want us to do? And it's like, okay, like why, why am I solving this problem? But you are. And, you know, I think that the trap that most people fall into is they don't even know that the limited partner avenue is out there for them. Right. And when they do jump into real estate, they start trading high earning hours, right? Where they could be doing something else for, you know, $15 an hour. I mean, I guess in today's world, it's probably 20, but like, you know, I think the mindset aspect of it is so important. And I'd love to kind of get your, your insights on what is the right mindset and, you know, how do you find where you really need to be? Because for some people, it will be going into the active role. And then for a lot of people, one, they probably don't even know it's there. But being a limited partner, a passive investor is, is really a strong, strong place to be. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm writing this down. What's the right mindset? So the first thing that I would say is I believe that we all should be outcome focused. What is your outcome? What is it that you are looking to accomplish? A lot of times, you know, we think of the the traditional investing world and it's, hey, you know, when do you want to retire? At what age do you want to retire? And how much money do you need to last, you know, for however long? And to me, I think that that's a very limited way of looking at things and not to, you know, draw the sort of correlation between limited there and limited partner, because I think that there's, it's vastly different. But in terms of what's the right mindset, the first thing is let's, let's have an outcome focused thought process. Where is it that we're going? What are we looking to accomplish in our life? And I think it comes down to lifestyle, whether it's obviously from a financial perspective, from a financial freedom perspective, but also from a time perspective. How do you want to spend your time? What is it that you would love to do in your life? Where would you love to go? What type of experiences would you love to engage in? What things would you like to learn? Who would you like to become? Where would you like to live? You know, where would you like to travel to? And, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, having choice and having optionality in your life to me is the ultimate. And Ultimately, you know, a lot of what I believe standard society has been set up for is to remove choice and to remove that optionality from many people. And so I think that ultimately, if we can start with, hey, well, what what is our outcome that we're looking to accomplish? Probably not going to be a one dimensional outcome. Guess what? We're dynamic individuals, human beings. We are multidimensional and we should unlock that ourselves. So let's start there. So what's our outcome? Number two is you know, let's have an abundance mentality because, you know, there, I do get this thought process from some people and I see this, you know, it sounds great. Your deal sounds awesome, but I'm just going to do my own deals uh, because I'd rather have a hundred percent of, you know, the deal rather than partnering with other people. And I can understand that and I can respect that. However, I would say that, you know, thinking about outcomes, you know, we can actually leverage each other's resources and do more as a result. And so the other thing too, to think about when we have this limited thought process, when we have this limiting belief that we must have 100% or we must be actively involved to obtain the greatest return on investment. I think a lot of people, what they may not realize is that to find the best deals, you've got to be really full-time in this business. To capture the most amount of upside, you've got to be full-time in this business. So if you're doing, if you've got another job, uh, let's say, you know, you've got a family, you've got a lot going on with your family and real estate is this thing that you know is something that can be super powerful for your life 
life and maybe you've got a few deals and you want to continue to grow and you're finding deals every now and then and maybe you're getting referrals from other investors or you know p- people are kicking you deals or you have some strategy. If you're not full-time in the business, it's going to be challenging for you to find the best opportunities. And I'll say this, I mean, you were talking about, obviously, we're in a changing market environment. First of all, the market is always changing and we should always be prepared to, you know, weather any storm, no matter where we're at, because, you know, that's the fact of, of the matter. And also being a long-term investor in this business, we have to be ready for the ups and the downs. Um, but I think that if you're not full-time in the business, it can be challenging for you to weather those ups and downs for you to capture, you know, the most optimal opportunities. And in the last run-up, you know, that we've had over the past 14 years, we've had a bull market since the great financial crisis, 2009. It's been challenging and it is challenging to find great deals. And like our team, as an example, like we live, breathe and eat this business for better or worse. You know, we were at a dinner last night till 8.30 p.m. with our property management company and we're strategizing. Of course, we're connecting as people and building those relationships, but we are in this like constantly and we look at hundreds and hundreds of deals before we say yes to one. Literally, I think our ratio right now is like 150 to one. So like we deep dive in terms of underwriting, some pre-due diligence, tours, discussions, evaluation, you know, debt sizing, all this kind of stuff before we say, hey, yes, we are moving forward. We're acquiring this deal. So what happens is we eliminate most of the deals that don't make sense. And as we go all in, we literally go all in. And so I think there's a benefit for limited partners in that when an opportunity comes across their plate, especially from our team with CF Capital, they know that it's gone through a rigorous, disciplined process. And if you aren't leveraging sort of that sort of approach, then I think you're leaving some opportunity on the table. And, you know, ultimately, we need to give ourselves every opportunity to succeed in this landscape, because there's a lot of deals that don't make sense. There's a lot of deals that we look at and scratch our heads and say, wow, I'm surprised that it was able to trade at that capacity. I'd love to see how they're making those deals work. And unfortunately, you know, the other side of the businesses, there's deals that don't make sense, especially when we experience a downturn, especially when we have a market correction. And so having the thought process that, hey, you know what, anything is possible on the back end here. There are black swans that we may have never even realized. By the way, there's this little thing called a pandemic that we just had. You know, there's other things that are happening in sort of the economy that may or may not be directly related to multifamily that do impact this business or, you know, whatever asset class it is that you're investing in. So I think limited partners who recognize, number one, that there's an abundance and approach to this business that we can all win at a greater degree together by playing our own roles. I think that's a beautiful thing. But ultimately, we start with the outcome. What is it that we're looking to accomplish? What is it that we want within our lifestyle? Where do we want to be in three years? Where do you want to be five, 10, 20, 30 years in the future? Because this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a build wealth. It's protect wealth. It's generate new income stream type of business. And I think it's a beautiful thing. If it's people that are not looking to speculate, you know, that's the other thing too, is that, you know, over the past 14 years, and in particular, really the past two, three, four, five years, there's been a lot of speculation. There has been a lot of winners because of speculation. But I think that's a dangerous game to continue to play. If we think that things always go up, well, guess what? There's going to be a time where things don't continue to go up. And if you don't have a fundamental investing strategy, team, business plan, contingency plan, it's going to be challenging for you to continue to build that resilient level of wealth and also just sort of outcome. So those are a few things that I would say about the mindset piece, but it does, it starts with outcomes. It really continues with abundance. The other thing, the last thing that I'll say about this is that this business is filled and littered with challenges, with 
problems with, you know, pitfalls. And so the abundance mentality is when I have a problem, I have to first look for the gift. Number one, where is the gift in this problem? Number one, where is the gift that I'm receiving from this problem? And I think that that's how we found to really grow, to expand, to become more. Because the first thought that any human being has is when there's a problem, it's, wow, this is horrible you know, woe is me. I'm thrown off guard. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm exhausted. But if we obtain this abundance mindset that says, you know what, anything is possible. And there's a gift in every challenge. That's another example of putting the abundance mentality and mindset to work. I really love what you're talking about there from the mindset and really starting with the end in mind too, because, you know, I'm, I'll tell a quick story. I know this is, this is all about you, but I think this is, this will fit right in. So last year during the pandemic, we went out on the road, we traveled as a family. And I've got kids, so it's 2022, I've got kids between 11 and 5, right? And we went to the Grand Canyon, and we were sitting on this, the rim of the Grand Canyon. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about, but it's basically a path that goes around the, the rim of the Grand Canyon. And it was us, a couple other like travel people like us, and then a whole bunch of folks, retired folks, they were getting out of their RVs, and they were coming over to the Grand Canyon, and I talked to a couple of them, and it was their first time, and they were so excited. And I just remember looking over the edge of the Grand Grand Canyon and there's this path and it's like 50 miles down to the bottom. Not, not really. I think it's eight, but I was like, I could do that. Right. Like if, if I'd planned this trip better, like we could have gone down there, especially if my, my twin girls or they were five now are a little bit older. And I was like, but that's what I want to do. That's, you know, to your point, that's the life that I want to have. I want to be able to go do that. I don't want to wait until I'm retired and driving my big old RV to come and like peer over the side. Man, it sure is beautiful. I'm glad we made it, you know, finally. And, and I think that that's really kind of, it's shifted something inside of me personally. And, you know, we were talking about this again before the show is that, you know, at one point in time, not too, too long ago, right before the limited partner show came out, I was thinking, you know what? I want to be an active syndicator. I want to go raise money. I want to go get it. And the more I thought about it, like it, something didn't feel right for me. Like it didn't feel right. I felt incongruent. I was like, man, I'm a CPA. I've been in real estate for 16 years. I know what I'm doing. I've got a great network. I've got a builder's license. I mean, you name it on paper, like it was perfect. But when I really sat down and asked myself, like, what? do I want out of life? And not like when I retire, but like tomorrow, because like nothing is a given. And it wasn't, you know, to your point earlier is that it is a full-time gig. And especially like in the beginning and getting these deals going, it is a lot of work. And I was like, you know what? I bet you I could just work with people like Tyler, do this, are better at it than I am. And I could just invest as, as an LP or work right alongside them and not have to do this myself. And that was a fundamental shift. And it was so freeing for me as a person that it's hard to explain when you find clarity like that. And Tyler, I just really appreciate the point about starting with the end in mind and like, where are we trying to go? What are we looking for here? Because I just went through this journey. And hence, part of the reason we've got this podcast is like, I want other people to experience this. Like, I don't want them to have to go through the same one, 16 years of doing it all myself Two, almost getting myself into a marriage with a business that, you know, like once you take on investors and you're the GP, I mean, you're seven, 10, five, you know, five, seven, 10 years in that, like you can't turn around. And my, my personality is I would never, ever jeopardize somebody else's wealth and income first. So that was a marriage. So Tyler, thank you for sharing that. Jake, thank you. And by the way, I didn't realize that we were both twin dads. So how cool is that? But we actually um, just welcomed a uh, boy and a girl twins four months ago, myself. And I love to hear that story with your family. But it is really interesting. You think about that. And I think back to my corporate life. And you know, if I were to climb that ladder for 27 years to get to the C-suite, I don't think that I would have had the opportunity to be in the position that you just described the Grand Canyon to say, okay, I'm fit in 
enough and young enough to be able to go hike down eight miles down and hike back up because I wouldn't have been able to do that until I paid those dues. And one of the things that we can do in this business is through relationships, through personal development, through mindset, through insight and learning and receiving gifts and those challenges, whether you're a limited partner, whether you're an active investor, whether you're both, by the way, you can do both too. Like you don't have to be one dimensional. Every investor and every individual's life is different. Every every individual's outcomes are different. Every individual's skill set is different. And so you think about all of that and it's like, wow, well, we can create the lifestyle that we want through utilizing real estate as a vehicle. That's all it is. It's a vehicle towards creating an outcome that we want in our life. A lot of us fall in love with it, you know, through the process. And it is fun. And it can be very fun to be a limited partner because you're evaluating opportunities yourself. You're evaluating operators yourself. You're evaluating the merits of the marketplace yourself. And I think it's critical to do that. You know, a lot of times we talk about this being passive investing. And certainly there's a lot of different characteristics of this type of investing that is passive. But ultimately, you have to do your homework. You have to learn. You have to continue to learn as a result. I would recommend that anybody who is a limited partner to read those monthly reports, to ask questions, to learn more about, hey, what does this mean for my future outcomes? What does this mean for my future strategy? Because ultimately, this vehicle and our learning and our growth as a result of investing in this vehicle is what's going to allow us to get to that big picture outcome that we want in our life. Two points, right? Just hammering it home is that you got to know where you're trying to get to. What is the outcome? And then two, it, it still takes work, right? Like this is not a gimme. And and I think that's something else I'd love to, to kind of get your, your kind of approach on is like as a limited partner, you are one, you obviously work with limited partners. Not everybody, not every real estate asset, you know, not every location is the right fit. And it's going to take a little bit of homework. You were talking about this earlier about hitching your horse to, you know, a wagon. Like there is a way to find some people that you want to do over work with over and over again, but it's also shouldn't be a gift. Just because like this one deal worked for you doesn't mean that the next one is going to fit your, you know, what you're looking for in your criteria. So can you chat about that? Sure. I think it's um, important for us to, you know, whether you're a limited partner or just an investor in general to understand ultimately we're investing in, you know, in asset class, right? You can be a limited partner in every asset class in real estate, of course, other equities as well, but we're focusing on real estate and our company specifically focuses on multifamily. And that's really what I believe in uh, as an investor, whether I'm a sponsor of the opportunity or a limited partner myself, because ultimately at the end of the day, human beings in America, and we're focusing on America and we focus on the Midwest and the Southeast while I am invested in other regions. What I'm trying to get at here is that as investors, we have to understand what are the underlying fundamentals of our investment? Because yes, a lot of times we'll invest in a deal and we'll say, well, you know, this is what it's performed at, you know, in the previous market. And so we would anticipate it to perform in that capacity moving forward. But I think we have to understand, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in this global economy. Today, we're in a global economy. This is not, everything is not separate. Everything is interrelated. The financial system, the psychology at scale for global human beings, the migration patterns, the consumption patterns, the financial health of consumers, businesses, interest rates, all of these different things. We have to understand the complexities and we need to continue to learn and keep our finger on the pulse. So one of the things that I would invite your listeners to do or any limited partner to do is to really develop their own investment thesis. And what is it that you believe in? You know, in good times and bad, what is going to generate income? What is going to be a safe investment that's going to protect your capital, but it's also going to help you grow your capital, not only outpace inflation and some of these challenges that we see in today's environment, but continue to build that wealth for, you know, the outcomes and the lifestyle that we want to generate. And so that's what I'd look at as myself. It's like, all right, well, if I'm going to look at a deal, number one, who is it that's sponsoring the deal? Who's in charge? Who's executing the business plan? Are 
are they resilient? Are they somebody that's going to give up and say, wow, any problem that we have, you know, it knocked us off course. So sorry, guys, like this deal failed, you know, I guess not everyone works out. So that's the first thing is to evaluate who is it that I'm investing with? What is their character? And what is their experience? What's their track record? What have they done in times of challenge and times of triumph? What are they like? And really understanding sort of their model of the world and their framework and their approach. That's the first thing. The second thing is evaluating the marketplace, you know, whether it's a particular MSA across the country, you know, what are the driving forces for that marketplace? What are the job growth characteristics? Why do people live there? Why are people moving there? What does the population growth look like? You know, what are the opportunities to continue to enhance the lifestyle of the individuals that live in that community? And then what are the driving factors for that particular asset? Are there inherent flaws? Is it located in a poor location that is tough to access? It's tough for visibility. It's challenging from a leasing perspective. So if you really want to get granular, evaluating deals from that perspective, those are a few things that I would start with. It's who am I investing in? It is in and with, you know, where am I investing and what are the factors of that? And then within that, this particular asset, which is a business, what are the driving factors for occupancy? What are the potential pitfalls for that occupancy and for revenue and for expenses and all that kind of stuff? So that's where I really would recommend that people start, Jake. That was awesome. And Tyler, this has been an amazing conversation. I just looked at the time. I can't believe it's already been almost 45 minutes here, but I do like to end every show with a little bit of gratitude. You know, obviously somebody helped you along the way and I want to give you an opportunity to give public shout out and, you know, just to kind of say thank you. Well, I'd like to give my business partner a public shout out and a thank you. His name is Brian Flaherty. He's somebody that I respect. I honor. He is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met. And he's one of the most trustworthy people that I've ever met. He's somebody that I have endless trust for and with, you know, I would not be able to do what I do. We would not be able to do what we do if it wasn't for him and for his ultra commitment. I mean, it's really unbelievable. I mean, there's a, a constant Saturday morning of a 6.45 a.m. and it's not, hey, you know, this is on the schedule. Uh, 6.45 a.m. email from Brian on something that we're working on. And it's just, he loves the business. He eats, breathes, sleeps this business. But he's just somebody who's not only committed to his life, his family, his growth, but he's committed to doing the right thing for other people. So he sets a great example for me and I definitely want to give him a massive shout out. I'm very blessed and very grateful to have a partner like him. Well, Brian, I hope you're you're listening to the show. That's awesome. It doesn't sound like the endorsement could get much higher. But Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Jake, man. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to continuing our relationship as well. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Limited Partner Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. If there's any reason you wouldn't leave us a five-star review, please email me directly at jw at jakewiley.com. Your feedback is always appreciated. Now, the show is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the limited partner community. It's a community where limited partners can come together, learn about what best in class looks like, opportunities, and most importantly, a place to connect. There is nothing out there like this. So head over to thelimitedpartner.com and sign up. We'll see you next time.